Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Entrepreneur Rx, where we help healthcare professionals own their future. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Entrepreneur Rx. I have the pleasure and honor to have someone I've been following for a few years. Her name is Leah Houston. She's an emergency medicine trained physician, so she's one of us, one of us emergency physicians. And she is the founder of a company called HPAC. That's where I got to know her from. And it was funny because when I first learned about HPAC and realized what she was doing, it was so far outside of my knowledge base, which of course doesn't take much. Um, I thought, God, she is so far ahead of her time. What a badass. And now talking to her, she has a new business that's kind of a pivot from HPAC, although HPAC is still up and running, which we're going to learn about. Leah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me again. So people, the first time they meet you, give us, give people a little bit about your background. So, you know, as you said, I'm an emergency doctor like you. Uh, I practice across the U.S. for nearly 10 years. And I experienced what we all experience, uh, the administrative burden, you know, the burnout, like some people don't like that word, but that's what people call it. And um, I actually experienced identity theft, where one of my, you know, hospitals used my professional identity to bill under my name. And that's where I got this idea for HPAC. I had already learned about blockchain technology and its ability to uh, be leveraged for decentralized identity to prevent things like that from happening, to allow people to own their data and control their data. And I realized that this could be a solution for us as doctors. Now, how did you learn? I mean, we, everybody knows about Bitcoin and I know incredibly little about it, but how did you learn about blockchain prior to HPAC? So in the emergency department, we all have you know our other interests. And so I was sitting there and it was a slower shift. And one of my colleagues, who is now also an investor, it was 2012. He said, hey, check out this Bitcoin thing. And he sends me a YouTube video. And I'm like watching, I'm like, wow, this is really something big. I can tell this is something big. And I tried to like find a way to invest. But I was like, wait, I have to find a computer programmer. How am I going to know I'm not going to get scammed? And, you know, long story short, I didn't invest till much later. But that's when I started learning about it and reading about it. And that's how I learned about decentralized identity so early. Can you give everybody kind of a thumbnail overview of how blockchain works and what it means to healthcare? Um, so I can give a very quick overview of how blockchain works um, and then how it pertains to healthcare. Sure. So go back to the days where we had merchants and, you know, taking their goods from the Middle East into Europe. And think about the fact that they had to have ledgers where they said, okay, we have 10 sacks of potatoes, X ounces of gold or pieces of silver. And, you know, people were getting swindled. So they realized if they take two copies of the ledger and they give the merchants on each end one copy and force them to compare those two copies, then it's much harder for them to cook the books because if one person stole, then the other person has the copy to find out who stole. So Satoshi Nakamoto, who we don't really know who this entity is, is it a boy, is it a girl? He developed this protocol that took that concept of a duplicative ledger and created a distributed ledger technology, which instead of making one copy that two people look at, the, the Bitcoin protocol makes thousands of copies of every transaction on what's called a distributed ledger so that there's people all over the world that gets copies of this and get to compare it. And so it creates trust with any transaction. And the other piece that makes it important is that that ledger is immutable. 
So you can't cross anything off. And each block is attached to the block before it. So in order to add one block, you need to compare all of these ledgers, make sure they're all the same. And so that creates essentially digital trust. And it prevents the need for third parties to own and control these centralized databases. And so when you think about, you know, all the data that we have, you know, it's really a more secure protocol to store things that are permanent, like our credentials that should be owned by the individual and that you don't want to have the risk of it being deleted or breached by, by hackers. No, that, so that actually made total sense. One of the best explanations I've heard, but it, but it's also to be identified unless you have access, unless you're given permission to compare the person's name and assign that name to that amount of data. Is that correct? Well, so this is where decentralized identity comes in because a lot of the Bitcoin maximalists and the crypto uh, enthusiasts out there like the fact that it's anonymous. That's the thing that they love the most about cryptocurrency. But there are some things where you don't want anonymity. You want to know who the doctor is that's rolling you to the OR. You want to know who the doctor is that's writing you the prescription. You want to know that you can trust them and that they, um, they are who they say they are. And so just like some use cases, you need to have identity layers and some use cases you don't. In cryptocurrency, you don't. You don't care who's giving you the money. It's a fungible asset. You can get it from wherever. But when it comes to like who's making a healthcare decision about you, you know, you want to know who that person is. Right. So, for example, will patients' medical records at some point be placed on a blockchain so they're immutable and manageable and distributable to wherever health system they're they're walking into? Uh, I don't recommend that. And I also think it's too much data to put on a blockchain. I mean, think about like, you know, the size of one MRI. It's expensive and, and it takes up a lot of energy and space to hash or document any data to a blockchain. So you really want to reserve it for things that really are important, like your one time that you graduated from medical school or the, you know, every year that you renew your, your medical license. Those are few enough transactions that they make sense. However, I do think that patients will eventually have their decentralized identity wallets. And if you think about a workflow, if I have a decentralized identity wallet as a doctor and you have a decentralized identity wallet as a patient, and I document something about you in a decentralized EHR, I can keep a copy, transmit a copy to you, hash proof that that relationship existed and that that interaction happened with a timestamp. So that if you as a patient ever want to share that record, people know that it's authentic and they know that I'm the one that created it. And so that's actually the real value of uh, decentralized identity and distributed ledger technology in healthcare. Perfect. Okay, so now I get it. Okay. So when you got your identity borrowed slash stolen slash illegally misused, was that the genesis for HPAC? It was. It was. You know, it was, it was really devastating. I, I thought it was potentially career compromising. I know that there are some doctors out there listening who have either come close to having a lawsuit or a legal issue or have, have had some kind of fiasco because we're all in these like really entrenched, you know, very essentially corrupt, administratively burdened systems that don't really serve us as doctors. So it took me a month to find an attorney that would even take my case. You know, I called over 30 people. So I, I really, I was starting to lose hope, but once I actually started, you know, getting that legal issue figured out, I started really thinking, okay, how did this happen? 
how can I prevent this from happening again? You know, I'm a problem solver. We all are, right? And then, okay, so so take in, and exactly, I mean, all physicians are ultimately problem solvers. So give everybody the leap of faith. You got your identity stolen. What was the leap of faith HPAC? The impossibility of stealing someone's data if it's on a blockchain because they just, they simply can't go and grab it without your permission. Yeah, I mean, HPAC is really a mission-driven company. You know, I had the vision of making this a physician-owned, physician-run company, raising money from doctors, giving them their identity, giving them their data enclaves so that they can own and control their right to work, their right to move, their right to their data. And we did that. In 2020, we raised $650,000 from over 360 doctors who wanted this to be built. And now it's deployed in the App Store. You know, the vision is for us to... Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's really exciting, actually. It's, I mean, it's a very soft launch, you know, because there are still lots of features that we want to build out to make it accessible for all physicians immediately. There are some manual processes involved now. Technology development's expensive, and you want to be very careful and design it properly. But yeah, I'm really excited about it. Okay, so so HPAC has been around for about two and a half years, but recently you said you, you made a little bit of a pivot, and I, and I described the pivot to you as going from B to C, business to customer, to B2B. Can you kind of give us give us a background on the pivot and where where the new company is going now and you know what people can do to help you? Because it's, you know, and once you set up I'm like, bingo, I think you've got it. Amazing. Thank you. So I don't know if I really would call it a pivot rather than like a feature ad or a you know acknowledging a need. You know, so the real purpose of HPEC is to have credential issuing bodies issue you your credentials. And they're going to hash or document proof that your credential is issued on the day that you graduated from medical school or residency. And, you know, once it goes into your wallet and you can show that credential and show the provenance data that that credential was actually issued, they'll never have to do primary source verification again. And you as the doctor get to be the primary source. But in order for that to happen, We need to build a system that allows them to issue the credentials. And so there are some credential issuing companies out there. And I looked into a bunch of them back in January, February of 2021. And I, I realized that they weren't really fitting the specific use case of physician credentials and so we decided to develop our own that was that was specific to our need. I mean, this seems like such an once you explain it like like everything, it seemed like such an obvious no brainer. Like, yeah. I mean, I literally was looking at I literally just today I was pulling out my medical school diploma and putting it in a file because I'm like, I know I'm gonna get asked to send someone this damn diploma that's now a zillion years old, you know, like almost on parchment paper. So it seems like this is an obvious solution for that. Absolutely. You know, and the technology is new. It's still the standards around this technology are still, you know, close to being finished, but they're still in development, they're still in discussion. But essentially, if you use these decentralized identity protocols in order to communicate this data in a secure way, then you can have an interoperable system. So Evercred can interop with any decentralized identity protocol, as can HPAC. Is this going to be a race to the first one wins sort of race? Like the first one who gets widespread acceptance across state medical boards or across X, is it going to across health plans? Is, it, is that what's going to determine the winner? I don't think so. I don't think there's going to be a winner. Um, you know, I think that that's the magic and the beauty of decentralizing technologies is that it's it's the winners are the ones who attract the the most individuals. Uh, it's a community-driven product and a community-driven effort. It's a different way of looking at things, you know? So, so okay, so someday, so I'm going to apply to get a 
medical license in Florida. And will, and will Florida then say to me, will the Florida State Medical Board say, fine, share with us your Evercred credentials or share with us your XYZ credentials? Is, will, is that how it will work? Like they'll be able to review a couple different versions of my credentials based um, upon who I used? No, I think that the state will realize that they need to adopt decentralized methods of communicating because that's what the standards bodies are, are requiring. You know, I actually listened in on a Medbiquitous uh, webinar a couple weeks ago, and they said that this particular type of technology will be the standard. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Med- Medbiquitous is building standards around the American Association of Medical Colleges student data and information system. So this is, you know, number one, we have the California Data Protection and Privacy Act and GDPR that are pushing us in the direction of data privacy uh, and more secure storage of individual personal identifying information. And then we have our own medical associations adopting this very particular type of technology to solve this very real problem of secure and authentic data. And so I think that the state is going to potentially adopt the Evercred system and use it to issue credentials, not only to doctors, but maybe even to other people who have state licenses as well. And so that's that's also part of it. You know, yes, Evercred talks to HPAC, but it also could talk to any other decentralized system, just as HPAC, yes, it talks to Evercred, but it can talk to any other decentralized system. Will this be kind of sold on a, okay, if I'm a physician and I want to have different states and different licensing bodies access to my records, it'll be like, all right, John, we're going to charge you X per year, basically for access to the system. Will it be physicians who pay for this ultimately, do you think? No, I mean, I don't think physicians, we already paid enough. I mean, I paid $360,000 for my degrees. So, you know, and I pay licensing fees to renew them. I don't think I should have to pay to store them and share them. You know, currently the people who are paying to have these uh, credentials verified are the, the ones who are verifying, the employers, the insurance companies. And so I, I believe that they'll likely be the ones that are going to continue to pay. And the people who are issuing credentials are also paying quite a bit of money for these software student information systems. And these work, you know, HR departments are spending a lot of money on, you know, workforce software and workforce data analytics. And so we have the potential to kind of build out a lot of the features that people would want in a system like this, but with a more secure uh, and more authentic data provenance structure. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. And so the health plans should be should be paying for access. But as a physician, to spend, you know, 50 bucks a year on an app that I can store all my stuff on. So I'm not doing what I did today, which is like, oh, for God's sakes, where did I put my transcripts from medical school so I can upload them and send them into some credentialing body? That alone, like 50 bucks today, slam dunk. So at least it makes sense that way. But I, I mean, get what you're saying. I, I mean, I have physicians who say that they would pay thousands of dollars for this app, um, but I really want to keep it free for doctors. And I'm not saying that we might not have features that cost extra. You know, we have so many different opportunities within the app, but I think there's also going to be ways for doctors to make money on the app. And we could also do like a transactional fee model and build essentially the future decentralized healthcare marketplace where independent doctors can go, can do telemedicine, can do side gigs and consults and transact with patients directly and get paid at the time of service if they're independent. There's so much upside to this. I don't think I need to charge the doctors. I think that keeping it free and keeping it accessible is really the solution for them. That's awesome. Now, you're out raising money for Evercred? Yes. Yes. We just opened a fundraising round for Evercred. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really exciting opportunity. I wasn't really planning on, on doing this 
other additional thing. But, you know, we were very surprised to get approved for uh, IRB approval for a pilot project with an academic residency program. And so when we got approval for the pilot project earlier than I expected, we kind of had to make a decision. Do we spend a lot of development resources integrating to one of these already previously existing credentialing systems that doesn't really solve our problem in the way we want it to be solved? Or do we spend a little bit of extra time and resources uh, designing and building the one that works for us? And so we decided to take step two, and that's what Evercred is. So prior to this, you were using a CRM sort of program and trying to integrate it with HPAC and then finally decided that basically we'll build it ourselves. Um, well, no, I wasn't using CRM. You know, that we were always going to do DIDCOM decentralized identity protocol. So we were always going to need a new, a completely new system. And we may, you know, we, we talk a lot, you know, in the decentralized identity community is a pretty tight knit community. And we, I talk a lot to these other founders about interoperability projects that we can do together. You know, there are a couple of other systems that are talking about educational credentials, you know, so those conversations are being had. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's <laughs> a lot of us out there. How can people find out about how to invest in Evercred? Because as, like we talked about earlier, I mean, this to me seems like a one of those aha moments where it's like, well, of course we need this at some point, some point soon will, will be the standard. So how can people invest? So yeah, I mean, if you're interested in investing in Evercred, you can go onto the website and put in your information and click that I'm an accredited investor and I'm interested. I will be following up on all those. I mean, this is very, very early where uh, we just opened this round and we are seeking a lead investor. So if you are a big picture thinker, very big picture, want to understand, uh, or you already understand the potential of creating the future decentralized healthcare marketplace. I mean, this technology has the ability to touch and potentially usurp huge sectors of this $3.9 trillion healthcare system. Uh, and that's our vision. And, and we think that it's possible through these systems. That's got to be really exciting. I mean, how much how much sleep are you getting these days? Funny you ask. I only got three last night, but you know, that's the life of a, of a solopreneur and entrepreneur, you know, and, but I love every day. I love what I do. And I'm, I'm very grateful uh, to be able to do this. You know, I'm grateful for the trust that the physician community gave me. I mean, like, you know, um, like you said in the beginning, this is kind of a abstract concept. It's very new. It's a greenfield space, new tech. Uh, and so to trust some, some other random colleague, it just shows um, how much we as, as physicians uh, believe in the ability of our colleagues and want want a better life for ourselves and, and for our patients. Totally. I mean, so I, you probably know, I speak at a lot of these conferences and your name comes up a lot as somebody who is a visionary and I was way ahead of the curve in, in this area. So, you know, congratulations. You've made a real name for yourself as a healthcare leader and visionary, which is very cool. Wow. I, I, I appreciate that. That's, that's surprising to hear, but thank you. I'm, I'm trapped in my home office all day working every day. So uh, I don't get to hear that stuff very often. It's very nice to hear. Well, it's, you know, you can never be a prophet in your own land. So, you know, of course you don't realize that, but, the, but there's people, there's people talking about you. Well, the, where can people go to learn more, more about you? How can they get a hold of you? So um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn, Leah Houston, MD across all social channels, but Twitter and LinkedIn is where I kind of hang out the most. Uh, you're welcome to send an email to me, Leah at hpac.io. And if you want to know about HPAC, go to the HPAC website, click the, you know, Get your early access pass because this is an invite only application. The HPEC app is currently invite only. Um, and we are also going to give doctors uh, ability to invite each other eventually too. And so we're in the very, very early stages. And if you are a residency program director, if you are a GME director, if you are a chancellor of research at an academic uh, medical school or a, a GME or academic residency program, 
and you want to do a pilot project with us, also reach out on the Evercred um, website. And, you know, we have a bunch of people who really want to give this a try. So we're, we're building out processes for getting this deployed rapidly throughout systems. Very good. Well, I re- really appreciate the time. It's always great to see you and hear from you. And this seems like a over the, you know, over the horizon visionary moves. So strong work on that. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me to let me share. And uh, thanks for what you do. Of course. Well, my pleasure. I'm honored. Well, thanks, everybody. Another episode of Entrepreneur Rx. I will catch you soon. Thanks for listening to another great edition of Entrepreneur Rx. To find out how to start a business and help secure your future, go to johnshufeltmd.com. Thanks for listening.